0: This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast.
1: This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us
0: is here. And now, here's your host.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Really excited to be joined tonight by special guest Dave Richard from the CBS Fantasy football the podcast dave thank you so much uh for joining us here at saturday sunday tonight
0: uh it's awesome to be here mr pretty cheesy uh
1: (laughs) yeah i've got to try and you know
0: fit in with your 11th and 12th graders uh, (laughs) while also delivering a plus content on, on the show today
1: and, and here at Saturday, Sunday, we don't turn the page to the next wave of prospects till about August. So we really dig in for a good few months about the NFL draft, landing spots, talking fantasy, talking dynasty, just regular NFL fit and, and, and needs and stuff like that that, that have been filled. So I, over the last couple of weeks, I've been bringing on some of the, the best in the industry from Mike Clay and, and Joe Dolan and Matt Williamson. So if you've missed any of those episodes, people, please go back. But today, so excited to have Dave on. First time here at Saturday Sunday. Uh, so Dave, let's get right into this rookie class a little bit because I think we have some interesting pieces at the wide receiver and the running back spot. But we'll get there in a second. Let's start the quarterback section first. first. Big picture, if we're talking dynasty, is there really anybody you're intrigued with? that's not named Kenny Pickett. Is any of those round three guys, obviously the breaking news yesterday was Baker Mayfield going over to Cleveland, probably puts a damper on anybody that might've had a little of intrigue with Matt Corral. But is there anybody besides Kenny Pickett that you have some intrigue with as as a third round quarterback selection? We know the odds of them making it are low, but they do have some running capability. Anyone from that group intrigue you?
0: The intriguing one to me is Malik Willis. And it's it's not... It's not someone I'm chasing necessarily. For example, I had my I, I'm in a dynasty rookie only draft right now. I I'm, I'm saying I'm in it, but I'm actually done with it. I <laughs> made all my picks already. And my last pick was, I think it was forty-first overall. And we go six rounds, and Willis was still on the board. And I I need a backup quarterback in my dynasty league. Literally, my quarterbacks are Joe Burrow and Jordan Love. And Pickett was on the board too. I passed on all of them for Justin Ross. I just don't know if I if I see a a safe upside with any of the quarterbacks. Now, safe upside is different from just upside in general because I think that Malik Willis does have upside. I, I do think that he could fit into an offense like Tennessee right now. The Titans very run heavy, but I think that they're the type of team, uh, or I think that Mike Vrabel is the type of coach who can use the parts that he has to the best of their abilities. And if that's the case with Malik Willis, then he could eventually become a a good runner. I think he's savvy with his running. I don't think he just does it all the time for, for without reason. I think he knows when to run. I think he knows how to run. And I think he knows when to not run and to try and throw a football. The problem is that when he tries to throw a football, sometimes it's on target and sometimes it's way off, but he's got potential. And I, I don't think we'll see much of him this year. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if the Titans used him sparingly from game to game, kind of in a Taysom Hill type of role, doing things that he knows how to do. But can he become a, a, the next Lamar Jackson or the next Josh Allen, some, something like that? I, man, I don't feel good about saying that that's going to happen. And the Titans don't have a lot invested in him. So I'm I'm only mildly interested in him, and I just had the chance to take him with a quarterback need in round four, I think it might have been late round three. We have fourteen teams. I'm too. It's too early in the morning for me to do <laughs> math. Don't don't count that against <laughs> me, please, Professor. Um, but bottom line is, no, there isn't a quarterback in this class that I really love. And I'm I'm telling you, I need a quarterback in the worst way. I'm going to hope that Joe Burrow stays healthy this year. I love the quarterback class next year. I've already acquired somebody else's first round pick. In in the 2023 draft, I think if you need a quarterback this year in your dynasty league, get by with something or someone and turn the page toward 2023 because next year's class is going to
1: be pretty good. Yeah, and and you make good points. The NFL showed us that they didn't really think highly of Malik Willis and I like Malik Willis pre-draft on film he was my favorite quarterback and he does go to an ideal situation where he's not going to be asked to play this year which would have been probably a mistake and who knows maybe I, I think most people expect Tennessee to take a step back this year but they were to the one seed last year even if they take a step back they could still be an eight nine or ten win team and if they're ready to move on from Ryan Tannehill he wouldn't be stepping into a you know, a really bad situation like so many quarter, young quarterbacks usually do. And I think that's the fear with Desmond Ritter that even if he gets on the field this year, you just talked about it, that quarterback class next year, it's hard to see Atlanta getting to five, six, seven, eight wins this year, which means they're probably going to be in the early portion of the draft. And I don't think they're going to let Desmond Ritter be the reason why they pass on one of those other types of quarterbacks. You know, we saw Houston do it this year with David Smills, but I think that was a little bit of a unique scenario because they didn't love this quarterback class, or I think they would have been willing to pull the trigger. Uh, If we stay on the quarterback situation for one more, when you look at Kenny Pickett, he's a very interesting case study because I wasn't a Pickett fan on film but he is surrounded by an ideal supporting cast. When you talk about the the skill players, obviously the offensive line, there's some question marks there. When you look at Kenny Pickett, Do you see him this year, if he gets an opportunity to start to be determined or even down the line, do you think maybe he could be a functional fantasy piece as like a QB, like a mid QB2? Could he be on that Kirk Cousins, good Andy Dalton spectrum? Is that what you kind of envision maybe for, for Kenny Pickett with the weapons surrounding him? Well, a Kirk Cousins and good Andy Dalton spectrum is a wide
0: spectrum. So I don't know. I would say that he can fall within those ranges, but I don't think he'll be Kirk Cousins. I don't think he'll – I think he'll be like – I feel like his ceiling is QB 15. Yeah. Where he he can put together maybe two – let's say he he he's the starter in Pittsburgh for five or six seasons. Maybe two of those seasons he can hit QB 15. And the, the pieces are great in Pittsburgh, and they've added more. I really like George Pickens. I'm sure we'll talk about him. And Calvin Austin could be fun, and that's on top of what they already have. And um, the, the the offensive direction should be good. And I think Pickett will play this year. But I'm just I'm not convinced that he can be um, a difference maker at quarterback. I think he can be a good game manager, an occasional playmaker. You know, he's got good mobility. So he can always find a way to pick up a first down with his legs. Maybe he contributes 200, 300 rush yards over the course of a season. Maybe he runs for three or four touchdowns in those top fifteen QB years. But I don't, I don't know if I see him as a quarterback who's going to just throttle defenses and be, you know, a, a top twelve type of fantasy quarterback annually. I don't think that's going to happen. And I also am concerned that he, at least early on, won't get the chance to do it. Because they really like Najee Harris and what he gives them. And I think you're going to see this offense really change its identity this year. And a lot of people are bailing on Najee Harris because he had a ton of touches last year and he wasn't efficient with them and the metrics weren't great. And you know he had all those catches, but 14 of them came in one game. I, I'm telling you, he, he is a and, – and you know this, Paul, because you study running backs before they become draft prospects. He came into college football with one of the best pedigrees in the nation. He went to one of the best programs. He was playing ahead of other guys who made the NFL at running back. He did it for a long time. I think Najee Harris is going to be one of those rare annual RB1s, and I think the Steelers are going to lean on him.
1: Yeah, I, I think – and which brings me to my last question. In a dynasty setting, would you rather have Kenny Pickett or Mac Jones? I feel like both of those teams are going to lean on the run, mm. want to lean on the defense. If you, Do you have a clear preference between those two or you think they're basically almost even Steven in terms of where you would kind of situate those two?
0: I think Mac Jones is the more talented passer. I think that he's the one that I would I would prefer to have. I know that the Patriots offense right now, they're certainly going to be – Balanced. I think they might strive for balance, but I also think there's a chance that Mac Jones can continue to evolve and be a better passer. And they've they've done it before with Brady, where Brady remember Brady's career he wasn't a big stat guy nope. to begin, and then once he really got used to the offense that he was in, and they didn't change the offense that he was in, he did great. And he they started to add big pieces around him, and I think that's the, the direction that the 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 Patriots are going to go in. And right now they're adding, you know, good complementary pieces. I don't think Devontae Parker is Randy Moss, and I don't think Tyquan Thornton or, or even Jacoby Myers is, is the next Wes Welker or Julian Edelman. But they'll find players who can fit in there, and I think they'll have Mac Jones run the offense that Mac is comfortable running. I think he's got more room to develop and grow and potentially become a top-12 quarterback than Kenny Pickett does.
1: Yeah, I think the the big elephant in the room in terms of New England is who's calling the plays and, and do we trust them or is it really going to be Belichick hands on on the offense? Because as a Giants fan, when I hear Joe Judge is taking an active role in the offensive game planning and play calling and Matt and Patricia. <laughs> Makes you want there, to run the other way. Yeah, there's a little bit of concern where that was the one thing we always kind of knew. That offense with Josh McDaniels for what, whether, whether he's going to succeed or fail as a, as a head coach again is, is to be determined. We did know he was one of the better play callers in the National Football League and knew how to scheme and utilize his talent. I think that's the big thing that we kind of got to see. Do we see Mac Jones make a progression this year or do we see a little bit maybe of a regression without McDaniels there? I think that's maybe the, the biggest question uh, following uh, New England. So that'll be interesting to kind of watch. Let's spin this over to the running back position and, and I'll kind of phrase this as a two-part question to start with the two big guys most of rookie drafts have have come and gone there might be a couple still lingering for some people out there I know he's still got one lingering did you see a clear separation whether it be talent landing spot opportunity between the top two running backs Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker obviously draft capital was basically the same uh do you have a clear, was there a clear big separation between them or did you kind of have them in the same tier? And with that, this might follow in and and be the answer. Are you more concerned about Michael Carter to Brees Hall in in any way or Rashad Penny to Kenneth Walker? Okay, so before the draft,
0: I liked Walker better than Hall. Okay. I thought that Walker was the better runner. I think that he, he didn't catch the ball as much as Brees Hall. But I, I, liked it. I liked his second gear. I thought he had breakaway speed, and I thought he could do enough. I think he showed enough as a pass catcher where he can be um, effective in it. He also played in two different systems because he went to two different schools. One was a system he'll never really have to worry about in the NFL, and that's the triple option. And the other one at Michigan State, more of a pro-style offense. He thrived in both, but he really took off when he was at Michigan State. Literally, his first carry was a long touchdown run. I think that Walker was the better talent it didn't surprise me that Brees Hall went first and if Walker hadn't have gone to Seattle I think I would have I I think if he had landed in a better spot I probably would have put him ahead of Brees Hall in my dynasty rankings and he would have been my 101 but he didn't and it's Brees Hall with the Jets and not that I think the Jets is a great landing spot but I think it's a better landing spot than Seattle right now um so Brees Hall is my 101 if I did have the first pick in a dynasty draft, that's who I'd take. It's Paul is also who I would take and redraft ahead of Kenneth Walker as well. Now you're asking me about which running back am I more worried about as far as fantasy goes. I am more worried about Michael Carter, and it's twofold. One, I think Carter's a good running back. I think he can play three downs. Um, I think he's got really good agility. I think he can make guys miss. I also think he's good catching the ball out of the backfield. He proved all that last year in spurts. As a three down player, I just don't think that he's the type of running back who can handle a full workload. I think he proved that too, both at UNC and at, at, with the Jets as a rookie. He just, I don't know if he can handle the wear and tear of being an every down running back, which hurts me because he's on my dynasty team. I was hoping that he could be that guy, but. That's that's one reason why I'm I'm going to say Carter over Penny. The other reason is because the Jets coaching staff, literally on the day they drafted Brees Hall, admitted to the media that they are completely fine using multiple backs. And Robert Sala comes from San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan has been using multiple backs for years. He's he's not committal to any one guy, and that. That means that Michael Carter's still going to play quite a bit, and I don't want to pencil in Brees Hall for you know the type of numbers that Najee had or that other running backs who were rookies, you know what they had their rookie year. I don't want to do that with him. I think he's, I think he's going to struggle to see a ton of work unless he just blows the doors off the competition and the Jets say, all right, what choice do we have? We got to use this guy. He's awesome. He can play three downs. Let's put him on the field. And I don't know if Brees Hall is that kind of back. And I know yeah, that's silly it's... to say, but I, I I don't know if he's if he's the total package the way that I think Ken Walker is a total package. And as for Rashad Penny, yeah, it's a concern right now. Everybody has amnesia over what happened to Rashad Penny before the last six games of the 2021 season. The guy has a hard time staying healthy. I don't know how you combat that. Um At the NFL owners' meetings, Pete Carroll made it a point to talk about Rashad Penny, and he compared him to Gale Sayers. And so I asked Pete Carroll, well, what are you going to do to manage his health and make sure he's okay? And he just kind of gave me a non-answer on it. But the fact that they drafted Ken Walker tells me everything that I need to know. And the other thing that I know about Pete Carroll, and this is something that he preaches all the time, he loves competition. He doesn't care about where somebody was drafted on his team. He will start the best player. Penny was good last year. But if Walker goes to camp and he looks like the real deal, I have no qualms in believing that he will displace Rashad Penny and be the lead back for the Seahawks.
1: Yeah. And you bring up a lot of great points there. And to kind of tie that up, you know, Michael Carter's on the rookie contract. He's not going anywhere for at least three years after, you know, great this year, including, you know, Rashad Penny came back on a one year deal. Maybe he thought he, you know, they weren't going to make a big investment at the running back position. The, the likelihood would be strong that. Penny probably is on a new home next, n- a new team next year, and finds a new home. You know, we don't know that. He, it's theoretically, he could stay, but the, the we know Michael Carter's not going anywhere. He's a fourth round pick. He's got three years left. A dirt cheap, you know, for a, a rookie who was drafted in the fourth round. So we know he's kind of penciled in there. You know, at least for the next three years, where Penny's only, you know, guaranteed for one. Based on how much you liked Walker pre-draft, not that we're going to go to the wide receivers yet, but would you? have taken him over any of the wide receivers, which I think are very hard to kind of rank in order since the NFL draft. Would you have taken Walker second in a rookie draft setting? If, if need wasn't, you know, if it wasn't yeah. a need in one
0: particular way. Yeah. As long as I didn't need a wide receiver, Walker would be my one Oh two.
1: Okay. Let's, let's take this to the, the next running back. Cause I think James cook is a very diverse, uh creates a lot of different opinions where some people look at him as just a, Pass catching running back who's going to play the JD McKissick role because that's what they said right after the draft, where other people think he could morph into a much more complete back, not a bell cow, not a guy who's going to carry the ball between the tackles, you know, 15 or 16 times a game, but maybe a guy who could work his way to 13 or 14 touches, you know, by maybe by year two. Where do you kind of um, side on, on the James Cook situation? I think his floor is passing downs back guy
0: which is what I think the Bills drafted him to be this year, and his ceiling is Alvin Kamara, where he can be a feature back that gets you know 12 carries and 7 catches a game. And the thing that I'm positive the Bills love about him is the breakaway speed, the elusiveness, the playmaking ability. They didn't really have that element in their offense, and they need to have a change-up for when defenses try and take away the pass. And w- w- last year they got by with with Devin Singletary when teams tried to take away the pass, and Singletary did a good job, but he's not he, he he's good at creating yards, but he's not elusive the same way that James Cook is elusive. And so my my hunch is James Cook will be a, a part-time player this year, and it might even be ugly to be in the year. He might only have three, four catches a game and two, three carries a game, but he could evolve rather quickly and become as good as, you know, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara eventually. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but it could happen by next year if everything falls into place for him, and he just gives Buffalo a weapon that they cannot deny. His weakness, as you know, is that he's not a physical running back. He doesn't bring that type of power, but hes I, I don't think that means that he wouldn't try to play that way. And I think the Bills are savvy enough to not put him in that type of a position until he maybe puts on a little bit more muscle and gets used to the idea of running at the NFL level. And that could happen this year. So I I think there's all kinds of upside for him. He was a player I was targeting in our rookie-only draft, and I did not get him. I missed him. I think I might have missed him by two spots, two or three spots in my rookie draft. He was a top-ten pick. And I don't have a problem saying that he's, he should be a top 10 pick in rookie only drafts because of the upside. And, uh, you know, being a running back in Buffalo used to be a bad thing with James Cook. It could end up being a really, really good thing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, anybody who's been a long time listener of our show here at Saturday Sunday is definitely going to smile a little bit when they heard your initial take on him, because here at Saturday Sunday, we've been saying, we don't know if he's going to have the success of Alvin Kamara, because who knows, but in terms <laughs> of the usage which was not Similar to Alvin Kamara, Tennessee, James Cook wasn't utilized as much, probably because they didn't need to use him as much at Georgia because they were so loaded. But I do think that's the guy we've been kind of comping as his ceiling for for two years now here at Saturday, Sunday, that we think he has that kind of skill to morph into a player that can be at least utilized stylistically the same way Alvin Kamara was used, especially early on in his first couple of years. So uh, that that's something that definitely, uh, was music to my ears here another person, kind of have that similar take. I'll open the floor to end the running back discussion like this because we had a lot of other names in round three and round four, even top of round five. Is there one or two for redraft that you're intrigued with more than the others from that wide group of people? And then same question, but for dynasty, is it the same guys that – that you're more that you're excited about for redraft, or is there one or two different names for dynasty that you're intrigued with from that? Brian Robinson, Damian Pierce, Isaiah Spiller, mm-hmm. that that whole contingency after the top three guys.
0: Oh, Tyler Algier for redraft is the one that I like best from the remaining running back groups. I I've, I bet that Arthur Smith views him as a poor man's Derrick Henry because he's big, he's physical. Um, I don't think he's nearly as talented as Derrick Henry. He feels like a gets-what's-blocked runner. That's not good, considering Atlanta's offensive line, but I think he should compete for playing time there. And we saw him as a good pass catcher at BYU. We saw him do a lot of good things uh, at BYU. I would imagine that he's going to get an opportunity as soon as this year to make some plays. I don't know if there's anybody else that I really love in redraft from this running back class. I mean, Damian Pierce kind of makes sense because he's going to get an opportunity, and he's, he's, he's a pretty good back. Um, but I think he's going to start the fantasy year on the bench for people, and he's got some upside, probably more of a mid-round pick, and it's Houston's offense. So I don't know how excited we can legitimately get about Damian Pierce. Now, when we're talking dynasty, there's there are more names. Um, the one that I like a lot is Zamir White. I know that he's more of a two-down running back than a three down guy, but Josh McDowell's is looking for that. He he likes to compartmentalize his running backs and he'll have somebody as soon as this year working in passing downs while Josh Jacobs works in running downs, unless Jacob uh, Jacobs what? Unless Jacobs has an amazing year, one where the Raiders will want to pay him like a top 10 running back, uh this is going to be Zamir White's show in 2023. And so I prioritized him and I did get him in my dynasty draft with the idea being that he's going to sit on my bench in 2022 and that I might have a legitimate starting RB two as soon as 2023. I like the talent, another great running back from Georgia, but I, I think that he can be one of the running backs who could be, you know, 1300 total yards with 1200 yards coming on the ground with eight touchdowns. I think he's got that kind of upside in Las Vegas. And I think the Raiders are an offense on the rise, especially now that they've got a receiving core that's as talented As it is, the window for that is right now. You could also make a case for Rashad White in Tampa Bay as one of those great next backs, the guy that could be a starter by 2023, and White's certainly a good player. Uh, I'm intrigued by Ty Davis Price in San Francisco. He doesn't strike me as the type of running back that I thought the 49ers would go after, Uh, but he's big, he's strong, and he, he gives them an element of power that I don't know if they really thought they had and if he can give them that and if he can stay healthy while splitting work with other running backs, he could be in the mix as soon as this year. So I don't mind him in redraft with a late dart throw, but I, I, I got lucky with Elijah Mitchell. I took him in round six in our rookie draft last year. I, I, I just knew, you know, getting 49ers running backs is usually a good thing. And so I backed him up with Davis price and in, in our dynasty draft. And you now I'm, I'm pretty heavily invested in 49ers running backs for the next few years. And I can't say that I hate it. I think that's a good strategy. Um, as for Isaiah Spiller, Brian Robinson, I think those are the last two names that, I could, that are worth bringing up. I don't know if I see great long-term upside for them. I think as long as Austin Eckler's healthy, Isaiah Spiller will be in a complimentary role. Maybe he gets around 10 touches per game. And Robinson, good running back from Alabama, but I, I don't know how quickly he could rise up to be the lead back in Washington. Nor do I think he can necessarily be that guy next year if Gibson has a bad year this year so I'm not as bullish on those two as I am the other guys that I named
1: Yeah, Davis Price is the one that really intrigued me and Zamir White, because I'm right there. I think Josh McDaniels and the new regime there in Las Vegas could look at a guy like Zamir White very similar to Damian Harris, very similar to Ramondre Stevenson, because I think that's, like you said, that's the kind of player he is. So I think they could be looking at him as maybe down the line part of that committee after Josh Jacobs probably moves on. Uh, And then Tyrion Davis Price, I think, is an interesting one because I think people are devaluing him too much because of the Trey Sermon disaster last year. And that really has nothing to do with Ty Davis-Price. Right. And and I feel like you mentioned it already when we talking about the Jets and mentioned San Francisco. There's plenty of carries to go around in San Francisco. So Davis-Price could easily emerge with Elijah Mitchell as the two clear guys in that backfield. And what's really interesting about those two is one of them would probably, just by default, Become a functional pass catcher, even though none of them really profile as that, unless they like use a third guy or really, you know, a rookie quarterback or second year quarterback who first time playing for the most part in Trey Lance, who probably will be the starter, you know, he might use that check down running back a little bit more. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting to see which one of them kind of materializes to maybe get a surprise 35 catches or something like that, which would just be like a little bit of an extra bonus. So I'll I'll be following that closely in San Francisco. So I'm glad you brought that up. Paul, can I take you off the trail for one quick second? Did you study Abram Smith? Yes.
0: What do you think about his chances to maybe unseat Mark Ingram as an early season running back for New Orleans in case Alvin Kamara uh, ends up on the suspended list? Yeah. Do you think it's
1: possible? Yeah, I, I do think it's possible. And while I know it's not Sean Payton, there's still a lot of his lieutenants still there and Pete Carmichael. Yep. And New Orleans has had a history of, of of guys like you know, you gotta go a while back, but like Pierre Robinson. Mm-hmm. There's there's guys that have gotten opportunities there. And there's another one too that was Chris Ivory. That. Chris Ivory, yeah. So They've given guys opportunities. I don't know. Mark Ingram has is, is, is been a had a really good career, but who I don't know if he has that much left in the tank. And if Alvin Kamara's suspension is six full games, are if they see Ingram struggling and slow, there might be a real opportunity for this kid to get an opportunity there. I know Len Zerline, who I think is one of the best in the business in terms of draft. He's great. Yeah. He was very high on Abram Smith. He liked his talent a lot. He thought he was a guy who could maybe go early day three. So, you know, I think he's got a real opportunity there and he's an interesting guy that in some of my deep, deep dynasty leagues with stashes and stuff like that, that I think Abram Smith is a, is a guy that, that is intriguing because who knows if he gets an opportunity early, he could seize it and be the second guy there. I mean, I'm sure they're going to try to give it to the veteran, but you know, we see guys sometimes just fall off quickly, especially at the running back position. Mark Ingram's had a lot of wear and tear going all the way back to college. So it's possible the young, fresh legs of Abram Smith could, could seize that opportunity. So I think it's a really interesting name and he's not getting talked about because I feel like a lot of people are just they think Alvin Kamara might be suspended, but I'm not really sure a lot of people are really baking that into anything right now, as much as maybe they should be either in dynasty draft, rookie drafts or fantasy and redrafts or anything, uh, you know, maybe except maybe not taking Kamara right at the top where he would normally go. Uh, I feel like they're not really adjusting the other guys too much yet. So I think that's a really strong point by you there. Uh, let's take this set of wide receivers. Every time I've had a guest come on, I've asked them the same question because I do think it's a very difficult question to answer. Do you have a clear favorite from the rookie wide receivers? Is it the same guy you think is going to be best year one compared to the guy you think is going to be best long-term? It's a great
0: question, and I bet you've gotten a ton of different answers. Tons of different answers. So (laughs) let me give you my answer. I think it's Velas Jones, baby. (laughs) The (laughs) Uh, 26-year-old. You knew I was kidding from the jump. If I, my favorite wide receiver for dynasty is, is Jamison Williams and Williams was not my favorite receiver. When I studied them, why did I make this decision? Because of upside because of playing indoors, because I know the lions aren't going to have Jared Goff as their quarterback forever because the lions must've loved him so much that they, they had to have to move up to 12 to get him in the draft when they already spent their number two overall pick in Aiden Hutchinson. And let's face it, the speed is undeniable. It's going to give him many opportunities to contribute over the course of his career. So even if he goes to Detroit and the first four years of his career are kind of meh, who's to say he doesn't go to the next hot team after that, which will look at him and say, well, this guy's still running fast. Tavon Austin is still in the NFL, and he it's because he can run fast. How many opportunities? um Cordell Patterson's fast, and he's managed to stay in the NFL for 28 years. So I I think when you've got speed and you can keep it, Ted Ginn, that's the name I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Ted Ginn played for like eight different teams, and it's because of the speed that he had. Jameson Williams will keep getting opportunities as long as he has that speed, not to mention the fact that he's tall. So I think that that's a good combination for him to be a possible contributor long-term. That's without thinking about any of the upside, where he can be a great receiver who can separate from coverage. I think his technique needed a lot of work. I didn't like a lot of catches. There were two things that really bothered me. Number one, he made a lot of catches at his hip, which just seemed weird to me. It's not how I see a lot of receivers making plays. And number two, there were a lot of throws that were just past his hands, like just outstretched. And I don't know if I put that on the quarterback or if I put that on the receiver or what. I don't think it's alligator arms. I just just think that he was just off a little bit last year. And... I think that can get rectified. I think he can become a stronger, better player and try and evolve into being a complete receiver and not just a one-trick type of you know go-route or post-route receiver who can just outrun everybody. And it, that's what happened to Tyreek Hill. Hill came into the NFL. He had great speed, but he he needed a lot of work. He learned it. He became a complete receiver, and he's been awesome for fantasy ever since why can't the same thing happen where Jamison Williams becomes a well-rounded complete receiver in the NFL, even in Detroit? Could it happen? I think it can. That's why he's my number one, but he's not obviously not my number one in redraft, Paul, because we don't know if we're going to get him for, you know, 12 games, eight games, four games. And even if we do, how good can he be because it's this Lions offense and the iteration of this offense with Jared Goff doesn't leave a lot of drippy upside that make you you know, have your tongue hang out of your head.
1: Yeah. And, and I I'm right there with you. I do think he's got the highest upside of anybody uh, in terms of this wide receiver group for the redraft perspective. If we pivot there for a second, is it clearly Drake London for you based on opportunity? And if that's the case, then is number two for redraft. Is it Traylon Burks? If you're just kind of blocking out the noise from the OTAs and the mini camps that haven't gone well for him for a variety of reasons, or is it maybe somebody like Chris Olave? You know, I think people are a little bit lukewarm on Garrett Wilson for this year, only because the unknown of Zach Wilson, Elijah, uh, Elijah Moore is there. How do you kind of look at the top of this rookies for redraft? You you name my top three, you nailed it. London one, Burks two, Olave three, and it was
0: Burks one on draft night. And then you know, learning about the conditioning issues and asthma, and could that become a problem? Ah, uh, who knows? But Robert Woods seems to be getting into shape sooner than I thought he would. Sooner than I thought a thirty year old who tore his ACL at the midseason would be back in shape. And so that's enough to kind of scare me off of Traylon Burks and to pivot to Drake London. I think London's just gonna be a little bit safer in that regard. Olave I, I, I keep thinking about him and I, I I keep coming back to the word safe with him. And I, I actually, I love the fit in New Orleans. I think he's a great receiver for Jameis Winston to throw to because Winston is a downfield thrower. He's not very shy about it. And Olave can do a lot of the same things that I talked about with Jamison Williams, where he can just speed past defenders. He's got that instant acceleration that I don't know if anybody else in this class really has, besides Williams and, and Olave, maybe Garrett Wilson too. Um, but I, I just, I think that he's got a chance to really be I think he could be the number one receiver in New Orleans as soon as this year. I think he's I think he's very talented. There's obviously things I don't like about him as far as physicality, making plays after after the after contact. I was gonna say after the catch, but that can't be true. But after contact, um I want to see him get better at that. And I just I look at the track record of quarterbacks in New Orleans, especially over the 13 years that Pete Carmichael's been there. And you mentioned, you know, the lieutenants of Sean Payton still in New Orleans. They like strong-arm quarterbacks. I don't think they're ever going to get to a point where they replace Jameis Winston long-term with somebody with a noodle arm. I just don't think it's in the DNA of that franchise, certainly in the DNA of the decision-makers on that coaching staff right now, uh, or the GM. That bodes well for Olave. So he, he's healthy. Um, he I think he can evolve into being a complete receiver. I don't know if London can. I think London is what he is as far as physical power forward on the field. I don't I don't see him with breakaway speed. And that's something that you want to have in your receivers. Burks has shown that breakaway speed considering his size. So he could evolve too. And and the Titans, I mentioned it earlier, they're they're savvy when it comes to how they use players in their offense. And I almost think that Traylon Burks could be like a, a Derrick Henry at wide receiver. For years we used to talk about on our podcast, Paul, how we wish that Derrick Henry would get the ball in space. Throw mm-hmm. him a pass and have him go one-on-one against a cornerback or a safety. And like it's a it's a no-win situation for the defender. I think the same thing can happen with Traylon Burks against the majority of cornerbacks and some of the safeties in the National Football League. And so if they force feed him passes like Arkansas did, um, especially as early as this year, it makes a lot of sense for him to be somebody who can just compile his way to good fantasy numbers. So if I see that the asthma issue is taken care of, and I am, I imagine that the asthma issue will get taken care of, there are probably tons of players in the history of the National Football League who have asthma, they get it taken care of, and he rounds into shape and he's, he's participating in training camp, you'll see me move Burks ahead of London in my redraft rankings because I think he's got a shot to be a little more productive for fantasy. Maybe, it might not be as pretty as Drake London, but I, I think it'll be better than Drake London. But I got to see that in order to rank it that way.
1: Yeah. And I, two quick points that I wanted to follow up with. Uh, Traylon Burks to Tennessee, I it was, I don't agree with them trading A.J. Brown. But in terms of drafting a wide receiver, I think he makes a lot of sense there because people seem to have have some selective memory on what A.J. Brown was coming out of college. The questions that follow Traylon Burks right now, not the endurance questions, but the on the field, were the same exact questions people were having about AJ Brown coming out of old Miss. Can he run the full route tree? Is he just a bit? Is he just a guy you got to get the ball in space and then use his physicality? Mm-hmm. Is and he Tennessee a good but not great receiver? Exactly. And Tennessee brought him along perfectly early on, and then he. He he quickly morphed into a much better all-around receiver, but I think you're right. I think Tennessee's a good spot for Traylon Burks to know how to utilize his skill set early and give him time to develop. And then one quick thing about Chris Olave, they need him to be that great wide receiver based on the collective assets that they gave up to get to Chris Olave is staggering when you really think about the number of picks, first, second, third, like the number of picks that they gave up to get the Chris Olave is usually what you see for like an elite level quarterback prospect. And they ended up doing it for Chris Olave. I think for them it's do they let Jameis Winston kind of unleash it right? Last year it was more babysitting. If they take the training wheels off, we've all seen Jameis Winston be able to be a high end producer from fantasy. I think that's the big question out there in new Orleans uh Dave, last wide receiver question for you, and then maybe one quick tight end question if you have uh, have the time. Jahadin Dotson, do you put him closer to that those first other five wide receivers? Or do you put him more with the Sky Moore, Christian Watson, George Pickens group? And did your decision maybe change since the recent news of Terry McLaurin signing long term?
0: McLaurin's signing didn't change anything because I figured that McLaurin would would sign long-term and Dotson just kind of gives them he's either going to be the number two or the 1b to McLaurin's 1a although I think there is a chance a small chance but a chance that Dotson could be the 1a and McLaurin can be the 1b Um, I I love the talent he's twitchy he's fast um, good burst good acceleration he can separate he's got breakaway speed good footwork Um, I just I, I wish he was bigger And that's the complaint I have about a lot of receivers, obviously, in this draft, except for London and Burks. Those guys are pretty darn big. Um, Where do I have him? I've got him as a top five receiver in redraft and top six in Dynasty. So I'd say that he's closer to the elite group, the top tier, rather than the second tier. So I would put him ahead of Sky Moore and um, in redraft, Jamison Williams, um, Pickens. He's ahead of those guys for me. Um, because I think that he's got a chance to be a playmaker after the catch and think back to the types of people who have caught passes from Carson Wentz. It's been Alshon Jeffrey. It's been Michael Pittman. uh, It's been a lot of tight ends, not a lot of guys who can consistently make plays after the catch. Can they do it? Of course. Have they done it? Yes have they done it on the regular? Eh, I don't know. I think McLaurin and Dotson both offer that to Wentz and it's going to be a little bit of a different feel compared to what we've usually seen from Wentz. Now that being said, Wentz has never had a wide receiver finish higher than 23rd in PPR points per game. So, and, and Dotson's going to not be the one B um to start the year week 1. So, probably going to be the type of receiver that you'll take late and you're going to have to be patient with for maybe as long as, you know, 6 weeks. Because if he if he struggles to get out of the gate, you're gonna regret taking him. And then if you cut him and he does well in the second half of the season, you're gonna say, Well, why did I cut him? This is terrible. So you've (laughs) got to make he's gotta be one of those players that you have to commit to when you take him in round nine or round ten. And there might be other players that are a little more disposable who you'd rather have with those picks in that range. But as far as long term goes at wide receiver, I think he's very talented. I know that Wentz won't be the quarterback forever in Washington and they'll eventually have somebody there who can potentially unlock Dotson in ways that Wentz may just not be able to.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've seen a lot of people have the Watson, Sky Moore, Pickens ahead of Dotson, and I think that's a mistake. The draft capital, the talent, I think, is much more with the first five guys. I think people are overvaluing Washington and 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 Carson Wentz. Like you said, situations change and change very quickly in the NFL, so I'm right there with you. Dave, you have time for one tight end question? Let's do it. Okay. So this tight end class, I don't think is going to create much buzz or excitement for redraft leagues. So for dynasty, this, this questions that linger, right? Zach Hertz <laughs> stays in Arizona. They go and get Trey McBride, you know, the Colts Jelani woods is probably the most raw and unrefined of the, of the early tight end picks. They bring he's Andre the Lally giant. He, yeah. He's, he's Andre, Andre the giant. He's Andre <laughs> Uh Greg Dulcich goes to Denver. Just when we were all getting excited about Albert Okawabenam. Uh Jeremy Rocker, who I really liked, was my favorite tight end in the class. He goes to the Jets after they just go out and sign two, you know, average right. to above average tight ends. They so, they
0: copied the Patriots plan from the free agency in twenty twenty.
1: Exactly. So where do you kind of stand if you were going to say, okay, dynasty, is it Trey McBride? That seems to be the consensus, but other people sometimes pivot towards another way. If they're just shooting for ceiling or upside, Uh, where do you kind of stand on the rookie tight ends in terms of if you were going to get one or two on your dynasty teams, who would you rather, who would you want them to be and kind of wait it out? Or maybe it's a guy that you just take late because of the value in a, in a rookie draft and you're more intrigued by them. And I always love to chase tight ends.
0: Um, both in fantasy and in life, but I, I I think that really it's it's about finding somebody who can eventually evolve. No one's drafting a tight end for rookie year production. There isn't a Kyle Pitts in this class. There isn't a Pat Fryermuth in this class. At least not someone who can someone who's as talented as Fryermuth, sure, but not somebody who can contribute the way that Fryermuth did as a rookie. Uh, I like Dulcich long term in dynasty. I, I he reminded me of Kittle. He's got good size explosiveness. Um, much more of a receiving tight end than a do-everything type. Uh, He's got long arms. It's always something that I look for from any pass catchers. Uh, I think he's got just enough speed and elusiveness to be a problem for defenders. And I I don't know if Okuebunam is going to be that big of a problem long-term. I think Okuebunam, I remember watching him when he was at Mizzou and I liked him and I think he's going to have some potential. I'm not racing to draft him but I think Dulcich could displace him by next year. Dulcich could be um, a good contributor in Denver. I really like the talent a lot. McBride is a beast. There's no question about it. Uh, What he did at Colorado State was amazing. I hate where he landed in Arizona, and I don't know if that offense can morph to the strengths of their players compared to what it's supposed to be, which is the spread offense using four and five receivers a high amount of the time, whereas McBride can be, Uses as a receiver, but also as a blocker. And it, it makes me worried that he may never have the opportunity to be great in fantasy the way that uh, other tight ends could be uh, or, or the way that he could be if he had gone to a different team. If he had gone to Denver, I'd probably be a lot more excited about him in Denver than I would be in Arizona. Um, other rookie tight ends that have caught my eye, Daniel Bellinger has gotten some nice headlines in New York. Uh, There's an opportunity there for him. I agree with you on Jelani Woods. He could be very interesting for Indianapolis, although he's not a fast mover at all. It's hard to be a fast mover when you're his size, and he really is a big boy. Um, And then Kate Otten might be the one other guy, went to Tampa Bay. Uh, We'll see how he recovers this year. This could be basically a redshirt year for him in Tampa Bay and could evolve into being a a good tight end there. Um, Not sure how many passes he'll catch from Tom Brady when he's ready to go might be zero, but he could have a fit there as far as being a contributing player. And he was a talented player in college.
1: Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Dulcich is a guy who I'm intrigued with. I thought he was the best natural, pure pass catcher. And we'll see. You know, I know everyone's excited about Albert Okwabenom. Dalton when Noah Fant was traded that it was going to be his job, but they invested a, a pretty significant pick in Dulcich. So I think they must like his skill set uh, there. And, you know, we've seen Russell Wilson utilize the tight end at varying levels over his career but it'd be interesting to kind of see with those plethora of weapons he has there kind of how it it all pieces together so dave thank you so much for hopping on and and joining me tonight uh greatly appreciate it i'm sure most of my audience is is following your work and and checking everything out over at cbs but please let them know where to follow you on twitter anything you're working on over at cbs or on the podcast you want to share please do
0: Yeah, Twitter's at Dave Richard, and if you want to read my fantasy content, including full write-ups on the rookies, um, just Google Dave Richard CBS, and you'll get a link to my archive, and everything that I write shows up there. I also appear on CBS Sports HQ. It's our 24-7 sports news highlights and analysis uh, channel. Uh, It's video. You watch highlights from all sports. You get great gambling picks if if you prefer to place a bet. And you get great fantasy advice, and that's on all the time, and it's free. All you need to have is Wi-Fi, and you just go to CBSSportsHQ.com, you click a button, and you're watching it. The next time there's breaking sports news, give it a try. HQ CBSSportsHQ at CBSSportsHQ.com.
1: Guys, make sure you're following Dave, checking out the work that they're doing there over at CBS, CBS uh, Sports HQ. All great content. So on behalf of Dave, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.